Boy, I just feel the Holy Spirit has prepped our hearts for something He wants to speak and do right now. Um, just beautiful what the Lord is already doing. Um, I'm going to give you permission. You can grab a seat for a couple minutes and I'll dismiss the worship team. That's okay. We'll give you a break. Last week, I, I made you worship forever. But don't get used to sitting down over there. I mean, you're going to have to come up and worship. And let's just keep it attitude of focus on the Word of God today. We'll keep the lights dim. I like sometimes to do that because it just feels more worshipful and respectful. We flip it on, it feels like we're shopping at Walmart. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to turn your attention to two scriptures, um, two passages that I feel are very timely, both in the context of what the Lord has put on my heart for this whole year, a theme of restoration. This is a year of jubilee, amen? Um, and then also in this current emphasis on sacrifice, killing self, and this self-sacrifice, self-denial, and all that kind of stuff. And, and Philippians 2, 1 through 11, bear with me as I read all those 11 verses. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. It says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Can you say amen? amen. Maintaining the same love. No amens on that one? Amen. <laughs> Man, you guys are quick. You guys are quick. United in the spirit. Amen. Hmm. Oh, now it's starting to sound like a church in the South. You're getting, you're getting me in trouble. And, uh, he, oh. <laughs> Intent on one purpose. Oh. You, you mean we can't have multiple purposes? Oh, man. Intent on one purpose. Verse 3. This is back to us as individuals. Do nothing from a selfish or an empty, conceited mindset. Instead, we've got to have this mindset. With humility of mind. Regard who? Can some, do, do this. Point to someone. Point to someone. I know you're told not to point, but today you can point and say, in your mind, that person you're pointing at, you need to regard them more important than yourself. And when I say that, I mean their interest. Would you please give yourself permission to stop focusing so much on your opinion, your rights, your perspective, what you judge is good and, and right and all that? Would you just shut up? Stop that? Just don't do that. Tell your flesh. I'm talking to my flesh right now. That's what it is. When you tell your flesh to shut up, it's okay to say that. My mom would say, don't say that word. But when you're talking to your flesh, tell it to shut up. So when you're focused on your rights and your selfish ambition and your vain conceit, your perspective, your opinions, what do you need to do to your old flesh nature? Yes, kill it. Do you want to be gentle with that? No, Pastor, don't be so harsh on yourself. No, be harsh on your old yucky self. Kill that puppy. All right, so it goes on. I love this. So, so beautiful. 
says, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Stop looking after your own personal interests. Preach it. (laughs) That's not me. I'm just talking to the word here. I'm telling the word. Preach it, word. This is so good. Instead, look out for the interests of others and have this attitude. When you say attitude in this context, I want you to think of the direction that a plane is in space. Is it nose down, ready to crash? Is it nose up, ready to ascend? Is it at cruising altitude? What position in space are you? When you are of an attitude that is nose down, you are headed for a crash. So stop navel gazing. Stop looking at yourself. Don't be looking at your neighbor. Why? You can crash into your neighbor and cause a conflict. Stop looking at your neighbor so much. I didn't mean to start preaching so hard right away, okay? But I'm just telling you, this is good scripture. So have this attitude in yourselves, which was present in Christ Jesus, which was in Christ Jesus. He had every right. Listen to the scripture. He had every right because even though he existed in the form of God, he put all that stuff aside. Look, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant, a slave, a slave. And then he was made in the likeness of a man. And I could almost infer that maybe a man is even lower than a slave. <laughs> Someone's like, come on, that's, that's harsh. Well, come on, what? We're already broken, born into sin. He took on not just a bondservant, he took on us. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of physical death. Death on a cross. And because of this reason, God the Father did something. He highly exalted Jesus He highly exalted Jesus, gave him the name which is above every other name. Verse 10, it was like the Lord shouted this at me this morning, and I didn't tell Amy what to pick as far as songs. It says, verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth. I don't think there's anything left out. Every knee in heaven and on earth and under earth. Every spirit, every corporeal being, every. Those that have gone before us and are dead and buried, those that are alive right now, every knee, every angelic host, every knee will bow. Every tribe and tongue, it says every tongue will confess, which means comes into agreement with the way things really are, they will admit to the truth. That is this, Jesus Christ is the Lord. They're going to admit the truth. At some point, every denier will have to admit that Jesus is the Lord. Every atheist will have to admit that Jesus is the Lord. Every person with doubts, I just don't know, my church hurt me, will have to admit that Jesus is Lord. Every young person, will have to stand and give an account and will admit whether they are on the side of Jesus or against Jesus, will admit that Jesus is Lord. 
And every Christian who is sold out and on fire and marked by the blood of the Lamb will also admit Jesus is their Lord and Savior. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But boy, this issue of submission is the battle of the ages. And every one of us has a battlefront and it is in your heart and your mind. And don't underestimate. Stop looking at yourself through rose-colored glasses, giving yourself the benefits of the doubt. You have an evil intuition and a bent. It's called an iniquitous propensity towards evil inside you. No one else might see it. You might not even see it because your own heart is deceptive. But the Holy Spirit working at you is at odds with the spirit that's your flesh. They are at war. Come on, you can't sanitize that. You'll turn into a Pharisee. You will be so focused on the Bible and on what is right and what is wrong, and you'll be doing more and more. You'll make it your goal to say, I pray, I tithe, I do all these things. This makes me better than you, and so I can tell you how to do Oh, we've just turned the Bible into something evil. What is wrong? There is that fight inside of us. We do not want to submit to the Lord. But man, we have got to submit to the Lord. This is the age-old fight in every single soul. At some point in our lives, we will confess. We will. You might even do it in... Degrees. I think I believe that Jesus is my Lord. I don't know. I do. And then something happens. And then at points you just get to the place where you are desperate and you throw yourself at the mercies of Jesus and you finally say, you are the Lord. And you begin to live differently because he's the Lord of your life. But until that battle happens and you surrender, whoo, it's amazing. I don't think there's any... Uh, I don't think there's any limit to the creative uh, resistance in us. We are creative, ingenious at how to resist submission to the Lord. I'm going to turn to the second section of Scripture, and this is a story. This is one of my favorite stories growing up as a kid. I love this story. I had such wonderful imagination about this story. It comes out of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. Not Daniel in the lion's den. That's not the story I'm talking about. I'm talking about King Neb. King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was an awesome. Awesome doesn't mean positive always. It just means awe-inspiring. And believe me, this man was awe-inspiring with his accomplishments and everything. And in fact, the prophets told us, if we were back in that day, they would have told us, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylon, the great Babylon is going to be a tool in my hands. And I'm going to use that King Nebuchadnezzar. How many know that God can use anybody? I don't want him just to use me. I want him to know me. He can use the devil. Doesn't mean the devil's going to be redeemed. And he can use you. Don't boast in that. Come on, some of you love to boast when God uses you, doesn't, don't you? Feel good, doesn't it? You're on a long list of God using a lot of different people, right? He can use donkeys. Donkeys can speak. He used them in the Bible. He can use me. No, he can use an Eli. He can use a Saul. He can use a King Nebuchadnezzar. 
oh, a pagan idolatrous evil king. Yeah, he can use Joe Biden. So, no, wait, wait, brace yourself. He can even use a Trump. Ooh, no, yes, oh, he could use anybody. He will, he does. And that made you uncomfortable. So what? God is using me right now. <laughs> My job is not to just comfort you. It's also to stir you up. And I pray the Holy Spirit is moving in this place to stir you up for this goal. To submit to God as the Lord of your life, but to submit to him as the Lord over this church. Come on. Lord over this church and the Lord over this city. The Lord over this nation, just think of those concentric circles as his authority and dominion grows. And there is no end to his dominion. Ooh, that is a good stuff. But in this story of King Neb, King Neb was starting to feel his Wheaties. He was feeling pretty good about himself in chapter four. And uh, I mean, because he accomplished so much conquered so many people and was so prolific in all of his successes and everybody just accolade after accolade. And I mean, he was amazing. And, uh, and then he had this dream. He had this weird dream. Anybody ever have a weird dream? I know my wife does every now and then. Some of those are weird. I don't really dream. If I do dream, it's usually weird. And, uh, but King Neb had a dream and in this dream, he saw a tree and all this wonderful stuff, but then the tree was cut down and went through some, what looked like some hard things. And then it was confusing to him. And, he, and it really kept him awake. It frustrated him. So he called all of his evil sorcerers and smart folks together and said, guys, here's my dream. Tell me what it means. I'm stressed over this. Tell me what I've seen in the spirit, you know? And none of them could really give him an answer. So then he turns to Daniel, who had become a trusted advisor, whose wisdom was proven over and over again, because he was connected with the God that seemed to have all the answers. And he said, you're the God, your God seems to know more than other gods. Your, your God seems to have insight that none of the other gods seem to have insight. And your God is have his power and ability that none of these other guys seem to possess. Maybe you have an answer. So Daniel goes to the Lord and seeks God and gets the answer. And he comes back to King Neb and he goes, oh, King. He goes, I see it on your face. You look really distraught. Just tell me. He goes, I don't want to tell you. I wish it was about your adversaries or your most evil enemies or whatever, but this dream is about you, buddy. And he looks at him and he goes, go ahead and say it. Tell me what it is. And he basically tells him, you are a beautiful tree and you've got all this wonderful success, but God is going to cut you down. He is going to cut you almost to the root. He's going to leave a little bit of stump just left. And for a time, you are going to spend your life acting like a crazy beast. And you will not live in the palace. You're going to live in the field like a wild beast. And you're going to eat the grass. And you're going to let the dew fall on your face and your body. And you're going to be insane. And people are going to look at you. And everyone's going to remember all of this. Now, I'm, I'm adding that emphasis because if you were hearing this, that's what you would hear. 
everyone is going to see me go from this position of great power and influence and almost I could do nothing wrong to I'm going to get cut down to the roots and then spend years in just obscurity and insanity and all this crazy stuff. He's like, yep. Your hair's going to grow long. Your fingers are going to grow like nails, like claws. You're going to look ugly and like a crazy beast. And he says, and all that's going to happen until the day you recognize that God is the Lord over your life. He's the Lord over everyone's life. He's the one that puts you in this position. Even though you're a pagan king, he puts you there. He's sovereign. That's a hard choice. If you are a believer today, that's a hard choice to settle in your heart that God is sovereign over everything. So that means the devil can do nothing except God gave him permission to be able to do it. That's, now, that'll keep you awake at night if you let it. But here's, here's a good carrot for you. You don't have to understand God. Don't try. It'll make, you, it'll make you crazy. So when you go, well, I, 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 I don't understand. Well, I, 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 it's okay. Everybody probably feels that at some point. How in the world, if God is king and he's defeated every foe, why didn't he just throw the devil in hell right at that moment? Why is he and all the demons and everything out there? Why is sickness still working? Why are diseases and all that? Why is there calamity? Why is there war? Why is there problems and all this other stuff? Oh my God, but God is still good. And I'm like, you just pass out. Settle it all. You're not God, he is, he is sovereign, that settles it. You don't have to understand all the ramifications, just know he is over everything, nothing in the universe ever happens outside of his control. Or he wouldn't be God. So in this case, King Neb had to understand, even though he was powerful as an earthly king, he was not sovereign. And God could put him down or put him up whenever he wanted. Almost a year goes by, and he's walking along in his kingdom, and he's seeing everything, and he thinks to himself, I am all this in a bag of chips. I love it. <laughs> Telling you, I'm that, you know, super number 13 special at, you know, this place with extra sauce and all that kind of stuff. I am just everything. This is great. And then the voice out of heaven talks to him and says, no, you're not. And at that very moment, his mind was fractured and he was displaced from his position of royalty and he was put in the field. He went crazy. And everybody in the community got to see that powerful King Nebuchadnezzar act like a wild beast year after year after year after year after year. Until one day, he looks towards heaven in the state that he's in and acknowledges that Jesus is the Lord. I say Jesus because in the New Testament, it says when you see Jesus, you see the Godhead bodily. So don't get parsed on me and say, but that's not Jesus. He's talking about God, Jehovah, God, the Father. Hey, come on, come on. No, when you see Jesus, you see God. You see God. They are one. There's distinction, but they are one. So when I say he acknowledged that Jesus is the Lord, everyone has to do that. Not just King Neb. 
every Jew, if they are not a Messianic Jew, they got to get to the Messianic part. They got to get to the place where they submit to Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as the Lord, Jesus as the Savior. They cannot reject him. They must accept him. But they're not alone either. Every Gentile, that's us. I'm a Gentile. You a Gentile? I'm a Gentile. I'm not Jewish. I must accept Jesus. And every other tribe, every other tongue. I want to see what it is that Daniel says in chapter 4 to King Neb. Because hearing this story, you got to hear what Daniel says to him. In verse 27, well, let's just read 24 uh, through 27. He says to the king in verse 24, O king, this is the decree from God most high. Verse 25, that you're going to be driven away from mankind. Your dwelling place is going to be with the beasts of the field and you will be given grass to eat like cattle and you're going to be drenched with the dew of heaven. And for seven years, this is going to take place until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows that power on whomever he wishes. You don't get to do that. I don't get to do that. He does. You mean Jesus isn't a Democrat in that sense of the word? The greater vote wins? No, he's king. It's a monarchy. He gets to say whatever he wants to say. And he says, so he gets to bestow that on whoever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave a stump with the roots of the tree. Your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize This is a beautiful message on restoration. After you recognize that it is heaven that rules. So king, here's my advice. And this is probably the advice that Daniel would say to a proud nation. This is the advice that Daniel would probably give to anybody who is on the fence with who's in charge of their life and who's on the throne of their heart. He says in verse 27... Therefore, O king, you can put your own name in there. Therefore, Ben, my advice to you is this. Break away now from your sins. Break away now from your sins and start doing righteousness. This one, sorry, stop sinning and start living the way God describes. Why? Turn from those iniquities by showing the fruit that comes from righteous living and a good heart, which is, in his case, it was show mercy to the poor. And here's why. In case there may be just this prolonging of your prosperity, maybe God will hold back on when judgment comes to you and humbles you. So his advice, come on, break right now, break And turn back to God and live for God. Let him be the Lord of your life right now. He'll be merciful. Let yourself show mercy to others and he'll show mercy to you. Who knows? Just take the chance. Break. It's almost like what was preached by Peter in the New Testament. Acts, we read. What can we do? He says, come on, guys. Just repent so that times of refreshing can come to you. God is saying to our nation and to churches everywhere from coast to coast. You need to put me back on the throne in your own heart, in your own mind, 
For some of us, that's what it is. We've got to put him back on there. For others, you need to recognize that God is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of the universe, and you need to serve him and live for him. And you've got to do it while there is still an opportunity. Come on, do it now. Don't wait, because judgment will come, and you will be cut to the ground and be humbled. But how do you postpone that pain? How do you maybe give God a chance to do something different? It comes by breaking away from sin and that old junk. Leave it. Run away from it. Reject it. Kill it. Do whatever it takes. Hate it. This is the heartbeat of a devout believer. They hate what is evil and they cling to what is good. Come on, if you love, it must be sincere. Stop making excuses for sin in your life or iniquity in your life. There is no room for respectable sins in our lives. Does that make sense? There's, there shouldn't be like pet sins and respectable sins in our lives. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate things in us, we're going to be like the prophet who gets more and more clarity and goes, whoa, I am unclean. I didn't realize how unclean I was until you flipped the light on. Wow, I kind of like it in the dark because I don't see all the yuck. But when the Holy Spirit begins to show us things, it can be pretty unnerving at times. But that's okay. Because he is not a judgmental God. He is a gracious God. He only exposes that stuff so that we can break away from it and walk into the light and walk into that freedom. If we do that, just like what Daniel advised King Neb, you might get mercy on top of mercy on top of mercy. Why? Because you are humbling yourself before the King of Kings. Wow. Wow. At the end of this story, because King Nebuchadnezzar did not heed the advice that Daniel gave to him. At the end of this story, though, he recognizes God as the Lord. And in verse 37, we get this phrase. From the words that no doubt King Nebuchadnezzar had recorded for him. It says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar. It doesn't even... I, you know, in that, in that interesting, he doesn't even address himself as the sovereign or the king now. He just says, now me, Nebuchadnezzar. I praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. Wow. Talk about a revival. I praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Wow. 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 He's able to humble those who walk in pride. Hmm. You know what I find funny in my Christian life is that um, humility is the heartbeat of heaven. I wish it was something else. Humility is really the heartbeat of Jesus. I wish it was something else. 
pride is the heartbeat of Satan himself. Pride is the drumbeat of all hell. I wish that was the heartbeat of heaven. Because I could take pride easy. I like it. I like my own way, and I like my own opinions, and I like my own thoughts, and I like my own everything. I just like me. Kind of like myself a lot. You know. But that's the heartbeat of hell. The heartbeat of heaven is humility, putting rights aside. Not defending yourself, but letting God be your defender. Not pursuing selfish ambitions, but pursuing submission to His will. It is not understanding, it is just saying yes. You don't have to understand, you just have to say yes. That goes against everything in a proud heart like mine. That's okay. And if we are going to be restored, we have got to be humbled and submitted to the King of Kings. That is where this message probably ends. I know that the Lord is working in our hearts and our minds because all hell is breaking loose against every one of us in this room trying to distract you from what is most important. I believe that there is a temptation to fight fights that are unnecessary. Don't fight. Submit. If you're going to be wronged, it'd be better to be wronged and humble than right and alone and heading towards hell. And if you think that doesn't you know, apply to you because you somehow know some scripture, come on, don't be so proud and arrogant. It were the hypocrites that were attacked hardest by Jesus. And those were the ones that knew every jot and tittle of the law and could preach and talk and they did everything. And they loved doing all that stuff. And Jesus came almost opposite as a humble nobody and they did not like him. And you and I, in our own nature, our own flesh, do not like the heartbeat of heaven. But we must choose to submit to God's lordship. He is the Lord over your life and mine. What does that look like for you today? Man, I don't know what that looks like for you. I know I was kind of going through ways that I practice submission, and I don't like going through these, but here's the ones that I thought of. I thought of, um, first of all, submitting to God, His Holy Spirit, James 4, 7 tells us to submit to God and resist the devil. Be acknowledging right now, what what spirit, what influence are you under? That was last week's message, right? What influence are you under? Stop submitting to the influence of the evil flesh nature and start submitting to God. That's the first way we practice. The other would be Romans 13, 1 tells us to submit to all authority instituted among men. That means I got to put my stupid seatbelt on when I drive my car? Man, I don't understand how much of a struggle that was for me growing up in the era where they didn't have seatbelts and you could just stand up next to Pa riding down the road, you know? We could stand in the back of the truck with our hands on the hood and no no police would stop you or anything. They just figured it'll thin the herd if they fall out. 
They're obviously the stupid ones. We'll just make sure they get thin. They just didn't do anything, you know? Now, there's all these rules. $5 fee if you don't, you know, wear a helmet and a kid riding in your own neighborhood. I'm like, that's crazy. Submit to every authority instituted among men. Pay your taxes. Obey the laws and do all... Oh, man. I know, all these things, I just don't like it, but that's what Scripture tells us. Romans 13.1 tells us that stuff. In Ephesians, it tells, tells us that we're... Well, let me continue to work down the concentric circle of this to more stuff in the heart. You can tell I'm going big and I'm working smaller and smaller. So submit to God, resist the devil, submit to every authority institute. You know, that's just good. Next one is submit to pastoral leadership. I'm sorry this was in there. I really am. I would much rather all of you to have your own house church, please. Just all go meet in your own house. And you could be your own pastor in your own church and all that kind of stuff. It'd be much easier for me. It really would be. In fact, speaking on behalf of all pastors everywhere, it would be much easier if we could pastor without any people. It just would be. We have a support group. It's called Pastoral Conferences. We get together and go, oh, how are you doing? It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm surviving. You know, it's like, why? I have one of those like uh, viral videos of an actual shepherd in the Middle East who's like ushering all of his sheep across the road and some tourist from some block country is videotaping it on his phone. You can hear him talking. Oh, look at that. And they're watching. This is so cool. And as they're watching, they see one of the bell sheep come from behind and just take out the shepherd. Boom! And knocks him down. And you hear the guy on the video go, oh! And he's there on the ground. And then he starts to get back up. The sheep comes back and hits him a second time. Boom! And he goes, oh! And I'm like, that sums up the ministry right there. It just does. It says in Hebrews 13, 17, to submit, to obey your pastors and your leaders and to submit to them. Why? Because they're going to give an account to God and... They're given to you as a gift from the Lord to serve you. Kind of like a school teacher would, and not everybody has to love their school teachers. I love some, I didn't like others, but every one of them were put in that position to do me good. Whether I liked the way they taught, whether I liked the way they related to me or not related to me, they were there to do me good. And as a pastor and the rest of the fivefold ministry, God given us. To the church for our good. You don't have to like everybody in the fivefold ministry. You do have to obey and submit. Is that harsh? I'm sorry. I didn't write this. I already told you how I would have wrote it. I would have changed it. But that's one area where we practice submission. The other one is this. If you're married, you have to mutually submit to each other. If you thought submitting to a pastor was hard, if you thought submitting to every authority instituted among men was hard, if you thought submitting to the devil or submitting to God was a hard choice, you ain't seen nothing yet. Husbands, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Whoo! You know, a lot of people cut that out of the marriage ceremony altogether. They don't even want to see submit. Why? They hate it. Oh, man, it's a tough thing. 
And yet that is something God has designed. And we're not even done yet. <laughs> it tells us to submit to one another. I thought this was very specific with just all these little groups, but then in a general rule, we could be independent and self-thinking and autonomous and blah, blah, blah. What's right for me is what's right for me. It, I'm not hurting anybody, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Bull. The Word of God says, no, you have to submit to the group. So even your freedoms must be submitted to what is considerate of the others. That's a challenge for some. You have a personal freedom because of your faith. But you might be around people who are weak in their faith and you must take a limit. That you know you have a freedom there. But you got to take a limit. Why? Because you're considerate of the others. You're considering them. You're submitting to them. That's challenging for some of us. Those are just some of the areas where I believe this message can be battlefront in our heart. Submit to the Spirit. Submit to all these authorities, submit to pastors, submit to spouses and that, submit to one another. And if you can survive all that, I don't even need to talk about the other areas where we submit. I think you're doing pretty good. But I'll tell you what I need to do with this message and I challenge you to. Can we take a knee? Can we take a knee and acknowledge that you and I are not the Lord over anything. But God, in His wisdom, puts you right in the seat where you are at at this very moment to hear this message. Whether you liked it or not, God put you here for this moment. It was no surprise. He organized this. God works all things together for your good. If you are called according to his purposes, you love the Lord, you will see that more and more in your life. That's what Romans says. I'm telling you right now, even pre that recognition, if you're here today, it is by no accident God predestined you to be right here at this moment to hear this message, to challenge you to take a knee, submit to the Lord in whatever way that looks in your life and please do not protect yourself. Don't protect your pride. Don't protect your selfish interests and all those other things. Let that thing die at the altar. I really do believe what God is saying to you today is a precursor to a time of restoration, a time of even refreshing, a time of revival. When God moves in this way, you take a knee, He takes that center stage. And when He takes center stage, there is so much that happens that you will love but he will not compete with you in charge. He wants to be in charge. He will not compete with me in charge. He wants to be in charge. Father God. <laughs> Jesus, I just confess you as the Lord. You're Lord 
over everything. There's no limit to your power, your authority, your Lord. Your Lord over every season, your Lord over every family, your Lord. Oh, Father God, your Lord over every church, for every leader. Your Lord over every teenager, over every grandpa and grandma, your Lord over us all, Lord, your Lord. Have mercy on us. We don't even know what we do. Father God, we hear the advice of Daniel this morning. And we want to humble our hearts before you. We want to bow before you as the Lord over all. We want to submit. God, have mercy on us in our pride, in our self-centeredness, in our self-ambitions. Lord, forgive us for there's no room for a competition. This is your house. This is your throne. Each and every one of us is a temple for you as the Lord Most High where you're worshipped in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and you must increase. Let it be our heartbeat today, God, that we decrease and you increase. Lord, in the visible church, we want to decrease and you increase. Oh, God, in this city, let it be more and more about you, Jesus. Forgive us for making it so much about us. It's about you, Jesus. Oh, it's about you. It's not about religion and all the division and who's right and who's wrong. It's about you as the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, as we bow, let your spirit blow through this place and blow through this city so we're not standing to hinder the flow of your spirit. Lord, let us bow and clear the way for you to blow in a mighty way. Rushing wind blow through the temple of our hearts and our minds. Rushing wind blow through this temple. Hear the church. 
blow through this city, God.
the Lord gave me an image this morning while I was praying and it was the image of someone being still and creating the conditions needed to let a bird like a dove rest on their shoulders. It required the person to stop running. It required the person to calm down. require the person to kind of sit still in one place and then just wait. And at some point, that dove began to circle and the dove got close because nothing changed. They didn't suddenly move. They didn't suddenly do something different or whatever. That dove felt peace and rested right there. And I believe the Holy Spirit gave me that image to remind us as a church how important it is to maintain an atmosphere that is conducive to the flow of the Holy Spirit. I want to maintain an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move in this church. I want you to partner with me in that. I want to see God do great things through us as a body of believers. I want to see God do great things in your life and in your family. I want God to move in a mighty way in this city. Let's let the dove, the Holy Spirit, rest in this place. Let the Holy Spirit rest in your life. Be sensitive. I believe that this week, even this day maybe, you might feel a tug on your heart to take extended times with the Lord and just wait. Do it. That makes way for the Lord to move. You might need to let something go that you've been holding on to. I don't know what that is, but if you're going to receive that rest of the Holy Spirit, that dove landing on you, you might need to move something out of the way, let go of something or drop it or I don't know. Let the Holy Spirit take that place. I don't think that dove will land if there's a fight going on. So you got to let the fight die. Amen. If you're distracted and running all over and I don't think you're going to be in the right place for the Holy Spirit to land. You got to come together and wait on the Lord. But I believe the Holy Spirit was doing something in this moment. I don't want us to neglect it. Let's carry that fire. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to our hearts today. And we ask for you to continue to do all that is in your heart and mind.
for now. We say yes and amen to you. We come into agreement with your heart and we reject the things that you reject. Lord, we want to come into alignment with you. Let your spirit move, Lord. Fall afresh on each and every one of us. In your name we pray this. Amen. Well, we're going to maintain this attitude of worship as we get ready for next service and for Bible studies today. You can stay in here and pray. We'll keep it just like this. Oh, bless the Lord.